you have your market value and your innate value. And so you have to separate that because when you do your market value work, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to look foolish, but that doesn't define your identity. You're still a wonderful human being. And yeah, you said that stupid thing on that podcast or you wrote a comment on social media that somebody didn't like or you misspelled a word or you stumbled over your words. Like, that's okay. That's just being human. So there's two technologies that you can run if you're doing an online business or you can use. What is the difference between working in your business and working on your business? One will keep you trapped and overworked while the other will not only help you skill, but frees you up to do other things while your business keeps running. So today's guest, Stacey Gray, is the expert in this topic. Her company helps business owners scale their businesses by implementing structures and processes, which in turn allow these businesses to operate smoothly without the owners actually running it. In this episode, we dived into how Stacey got started in her business why you need structure in order to scale your business. And guys, you want to wait till the end of this episode because Stacy dropped some practical tips that you can implement in your business today, including tools that you can use to develop processes and SOPs. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Stacy Gray. people we're live by the way the podcast that do well is the one that i'm just talking like we're friends you know i had one of my podcast interviewer was like are you friends with the people you're interviewing i'm like no i'm not well, friends with them. Afterwards, you're like I'm friends now. now we're friends yeah like a lot of them i, I, I we're not friends i just she was like the way you guys are talking it looks like you guys i'm like yeah because you know we made it look real so that's yeah. that's what i'm trying to achieve whereby we're like just chatting and then we became friends after i've I, I've had I've become friends with some of the people I spoke with after that. So, matter of fact, where are you? Fa- so are you Houston. Lo- I'm in Houston, Texas. Oh, I'm in Austin. Oh, we're two hours. Matter of fact, I'm yeah. in actual. I'm actually I'm in Cyprus. So Cyprus is it's closer to Austin than Houston itself. So Houston's okay. like two and a half hours. I'm like less than two hours away from Austin. Yeah. So well, that's actually, amazing. I'm not in Austin right now. I just got I bought a beach cottage in Rockport, mm-hmm. which is just outside of Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi, uh, nice. Yeah, so I've been hanging out at the beach. <laughs> like, oh, it's like, so cool. Space. Are you there right now? Yes, I am. Oh, I'm that in- is so nice. <laughs> it's all cold out here with us, and you're just chilling in the beach. I mean, it's cold too. <laughs> Yesterday, it didn't even get above 60, and then today it's going to be 75, and you can kind of see it's a little sunny. So, well, that's good. I think for us yesterday was, I think it was like in the 40s, I want to say for us. So, I mean, a couple, a couple tens yeah. <laughs> above is, 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 is a, is a, <laughs> well, I mean, at least you can have a pumpkin latte or something. Yes. Yes. I love it. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, first I wanted to talk, um, about where did this whole, your journey Mm. not necessarily from oh back when I was born but like where did where was that where was your inflection point sure so the journey the the chapter I'm in right now chapter yeah a lot of different chapters in my life but the chapter I'm in right now started when my mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer and my father is a pretty successful entrepreneur and he had several businesses 
but he was very much stuck in his business, which a ton of entrepreneurs are. The people who have the courage to start their businesses, sometimes they put their foot on the gas pedal and then before they know it, they have so much activity going on and business coming in and work to be done and customers to make happy and they end up trapped in their businesses. And most of us set out to build businesses to create freedom, some type of freedom, time freedom, financial freedom, location freedom. And then the very businesses designed to create our freedom end up trapping us. And that's where my father was at when my mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer. He was working 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week, and she got diagnosed. So he called me and asked me to come run take over running the day-to-day operations for the businesses so he could spend time with her. And I said yes, but I had um, been building businesses. So I had developed some organizational systems and structures that when I came back to run the kind of the family businesses, I said, I I would love to run them, but I want time with my mom also. Also, yeah. yeah, It's not just for you, but for me too. So I implemented um, all of these organizational systems, everything from, you know, you have to have, if you, you can't really do much as an entrepreneur, if you don't have structure, you need structure. And a lot of times as maverick entrepreneurs, we re we revolt against structure because it feels limiting and it feels confining, mm-hmm. but it's actually so much more freeing. And I don't, I, I need to look this up, but there was an, a study I heard at one point and maybe you've heard it too, about the uh, a bunch of kids on a playground. And they put a group of kids on a playground that had a fence around it, and a, then a group of kids on a playground that did not have a fence around it. And mm. the kids on that had the playground that had a fence around it used all of the playground. Whereas the kids that didn't have a fence, they stayed right on the playset. They didn't run off on the grass because it was they didn't know where their limits were. And they didn't know if it was safe. So I have found that to be so true in business too. When we have uh-huh. some structures in place, like how do you build your brand? How do you generate leads? How do you convert your prospects to customers? How do you fulfill on your offering to your customers? How do you make rave fans out of your audience? We have to have a system for doing that. Otherwise, we're continually reinventing the wheel and having Groundhog Day. And so it started when she got cancer, he called me, I put the systems in place for our family businesses. And then I was there, my mother passed away in December of 2019 at 59 years old. So she was very young. Oh, she's young. Mm-hmm. And then I took, I was there taking care of her the last 18 months of her life. So I, I think for me, the chapter I'm in right now is leveraging systems to truly create time freedom. So and how so- how quick, sorry that I'm cutting you, but how quick was it that once you took over, you were able to implement the system and how quick did it work for you to now say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to focus on my mom. How, well, do, you, do you remember the time period yeah. it took? So she, I got the phone call probably, She so she died in 2019. The last 18 months of her life was probably 2019, half of 2018. And it probably took me about 12 to 24 months to get it completely dialed, the team running it Mm -hmm. and um, fully set up. And it was already a multi seven figure business. So there was a lot of activity happening Mm -hmm. already. And then there was um, 
a couple of key people and then a few key people I needed to hire and get mm. those people brought on and trained and up to speed and in positions of ownership, not just uh, tech task. Yeah, tech, yeah, mm-hmm. technical people. So like, mm-hmm. so when you, when you when you started, when you took over from your dad and your dad was focusing on your mom, so did you do something real quick that bought you time I know it. I know it wouldn't be an overnight um change, but it it wasn't like more of a gradual, like a big steep change that you were able you were able to like take a few hours of the time because your dad was working like fourteen hours a day, you know, and then all of a sudden he can't work at all, and then you come in, so you went from like fourteen hours to like you know what eight hours to like two hours. Now I can like gradually have time for my mom. Is that how we worked, or was it like immediately you just had to dial and immediately you had all the time back? So uh, I'll answer this in two ways. One is it wasn't my first time operating those businesses. So I was very much understanding of workflows and processes and the way it should look. So I could quickly see, oh, the kitchen junk drawer is messy, but we've got to organize it this way and bucket it. So (laughs) I think I had a little bit of an advantage from that standpoint. The uh, But I have since, in the last 36 months, I just did this stat this morning, but in the last 36 months, I've launched 36 businesses. So one every month. And, and these are for clients of for clients. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, or, or organized, not necessarily launch, but people who had businesses. Yeah. That I mean like change it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have a process that we do and it's step one is you architect. Okay. So what's the blueprint for this business? What are we actually doing? Mm-hmm. So if we're going to do a podcast or a YouTube channel, or we're going to do social media to generate leads and go to all these networking events, how are we capturing those leads, putting them onto our CRM, nurturing them, presenting offers to them and converting them into our back office day-to-day fulfillment? So architecting it is really critical so that you have some type of front, of, I call it the front of the puzzle box. Like what, what are we building and what is it going to look like? And then you have to have some element of infrastructure. You don't have to have every piece of infrastructure, but you need to have something so that you can collect money, take sales, convert, so you have the core infrastructure. And then you need to have the ability to execute. So you need to be able to write copy. You need to have one-on-one sales conversations. You need to be able to do those things. So we do architect, build, operate in that fashion. Back to the family businesses, when I came in to get that cleaned up, I'm a big fan of solving biggest pain point first Hmm. because when you solve biggest pain point first, then you get buy-in. And when you have buy-in, then you get more people to do some of the mm. nitty gritty work for you because they believe the system. And when you solve. mean buy in, just because a lot of people don't understand, you mean like buy. people buy into the vision. Is that what is that what you mean by buy, buy yes. into the vision, buy into the structure? Because they, they saw the big thing that you solved Im- immediately. Yes. You started okay. Exactly. You saw the biggest pain point first, and then everyone's like, "Okay, let's do the next one, and let's do the next one, and let's I do love the next that. one." Excited about it. So once, mm-hmm. so once you came in and did that, that immediately had people excited and the snowball effect started happening. Yes. Then you had time for your mom. Mm-hmm. And then I can imagine the relief. I'm pretty sure your dad was like, I know he was busy with mom, but I'm pretty sure he was like impressed. Like, what, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be working 14 hours at the, at the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
at the office. I also, after that structure became so successful, that's actually or what became organized to scale. So that's the business I have now because uh, he, all of his clients were entrepreneurs. They're small business owners, Mm. entrepreneurs uh, in the kind of the real estate, real estate space. And they all saw how quickly things got systematized and organized and started asking me to do it for them. And oh. that was the, kind of the launch pad. I didn't mm. really intend to start another company. I thought, wow. okay, this is, you know, I enjoy doing this, but mm. uh, my heart is that I want people, I really think uh, two things. One is I really think more people need gig work, you know, side hustle. They need mm. to launch something, which I think we share that in common. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, is I really think it matters for, for the leaders of the home to be at home around the dinner table, having conversations with their families, not about money, but about mindset and character and morals and values and kindness and grace and truth and how to manage their money and budgeting and delayed gratification and critical thinking. And we need to be having these conversations at the dinner table and, and instead of screens raising the next generation. Oh my God. I'm trying not to tear off because (laughs) this is like so dear to my heart because Mm -hmm. um, it's not less than a month ago. I lost my grandma to, um, breast cancer stage four and I thought I was gonna have like at least maybe like 18 months or something with her when we found out and I think we found out in September and then she died in October I thought we're gonna have time so this was like a big shock you know Mm -hmm. so I love the reason why this is so dear to my heart is because when we when we see other self-help people and we see all these like um entrepreneurs online, they always show us the business side of things, the struggle, the everything. But in reality, you, we are human. We have the personal side of things. Things happen. Your wife gave birth. Your husband lost his job. Your kid is struggling in school. These that's what makes us us. Why are we separating and compartmentalizing this situation? We're whole, and that is why when I was learning about your business, that was what that, that touched me because you made this the whole entrepreneurship as a one thing. You need like you're literally telling um entrepreneurs you need time away from your business. You need to put structure in place so that you can like there's a word you I think you said curveball I, I don't know on your on your on your social media what what, what life can throw at you you know <laughs> you know like it's like exactly. I was going this road and then oh no this is all not- of a sudden yeah you're not a machine you do have a family oh yes uh, it, it's always like it's always attributed to like women like oh maybe they get pregnant or they have to take care of the house because that's what the traditional woman is but it also mm-hmm. applies to men too the millennial men they, they want to be there with their family they want to take their bed their kids to bed it's not yeah. like in the olden days i don't know if maybe that's true my, my dad people always have this because i'm from africa and that old, that tradition of like the man goes to work and the woman sits at home is still very much in play. But mm-hmm. yes, that's what we think it, it was back in those days. But there are still some parents that, some men then that yes, they were alpha male, but they wanted to be with their kids. Mm-hmm. They wanted to spend time with their kids. And my dad was like that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe my yeah. friends, maybe their dad is like going to work and they never see their dad. But I saw my dad all the time, you know. So there are some people, even back in the 90s, in the, in the 20s, there are some men that actually wanted to be with their kids. So that yeah. old, like, um, I don't know if you could call I don't know that. It's like a myth that maybe the man goes out to work. Even if you're a man, you're a woman, you need to, time to be with your family. You're, you're, you can't you can grind, 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 grind. And then when you're 60, oh, yeah. Hey, hey, family. Um, I have time now. I'm retired. Um, can we go to the football game? No, you, mm-hmm. Going to the football game when your child was five is different from when your child is 17. You know, I don't know. I think it was Gary Keller that said it in the book. Um, the mm-hmm. one thing you can't compare, you know, so yeah. these moments are very important. So this is so this touches me so much. And your story you need to go out at the rooftop and scream out loud. I know you're already doing it, but you need to like scream out loud. Like we, we're, we're, I can go on and on, but yes, this is so dear to me. So hopefully I don't tear off. While we're <laughs> I'll try to make it through this podcast without crying, but yeah. This touches me so much, and I really appreciate that you're doing this. And 36 in, thir- in, thir- in 36 months, that's amazing. Yeah, well, that's- I, you know, and I got some hard lessons because, and I think maybe you can relate to this and your audience might relate to as well. Um, I'm not going to launch 36 in the next 36 months, I'll tell you that much, because that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. And I think that we as entrepreneurs get trapped in our businesses and forfeit those dinner table conversations, not just because we lack systems. I think the other reason why we get trapped is we are so passionate about what we do. And so because we're so passionate, we eat, breathe, sleep, we can't turn it off. It's really hard to turn it off. And and I think that's where psychological systems come into play and social Hmm. systems come into play. Because with organized to scale, I focus primarily on structural systems. So, you know, you're your website and your automations and your workflow. And it just, it's the tangible, but then there's the intangible, which also gets us trapped, which is when we can't turn our brain off and be present at the dinner table, or we don't even set aside the time to, like you said, to go to the kid's football game or soccer game or piano performance on the evening or the weekend. And so I think as leaders and founders, we also have to develop internal disciplines, internal systems that say, when I'm with you, this is the most important person. And I'm going to be present and be with this person because that's what I've already allocated my time to do. And so inside of my structure, we, I have a saying, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. And I could attribute a lot of the pain points in my life and even what I see of other entrepreneurs is because I didn't rest. Hmm. And when I rest, I, I take in the external differently because my nervous system is calmer. And so I'm able to take in the external information, whether it's business or people, and go through a, a more calm, regulated, I don't know, filtration system, <laughs> if you will. And then how I solve problems is better. And so I, I actually bring better solutions to my business when I'm able to take a step aside and realize I am a whole being that has passions outside of business. Yeah. I love to read. I love to travel. I love to have wine night. I love to, to study with friends. I, I enjoy those things. Go on the boat, go to the beach. Those things matter to my soul. And when my soul is energized, what I produce in my business is tenfold. 
You are so right, because I'm glad you mentioned that it's not just the structural, it's also the psychological. Because I remember yeah, last night, I just came back from a meeting last night, and I was supposed to do a proposal for the client. And then I sat down and I turned on the TV and I was enjoying watching, because I haven't watched TV in a while, but I was actually enjoying the show. And I'm like, so my, my in it, the instinct is to feel guilty that you should be doing actual work. But I was like, you know what? I choose not to feel guilty. Yeah. I, I deserve to watch TV. <laughs> yeah. So yes, you're right. It's like we're fighting with our head. Like you can turn it off. You can do it tomorrow. Just relax. Have a have a drink and watch TV. You know. So it's it's good. So how would someone like us work? I know you work on the um, the structural part in your business. Do you work on the psychological part where your clients do? And if not, how would you advise someone to tackle that? Yeah, so I I think just who I am, I bring psychological and social (laughs) into it because I'm a whole being and I integrate it in myself. So organically, it comes out into the business and the work that I do. Um, But I think that it it really is no different than you hear in a lot of the personal development, self-help stuff, but get a coach. You know, Hmm. a business coach has been really important for me because – it has helped me hold the framework of where it is that I'm going, but also the acknowledgement of my wins. So I, I think sometimes A players, high achievers, we are very, very critical of ourselves. And oh, we get me yeah. started. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we are. We have very high standards. And when we have a coach, sometimes they can reflect back to us like, you just did all of this. Like you, you built 36 companies in 36 months. Your mother died. You went through COVID. You moved. You, you scaled another business to seven. You did all of this in less than 36 months. You've achieved a lot. And I understand, like from a coach's perspective, I understand you're going to do more. You want to do more. You're wired that way. I won't think anything I say or do is ever going to take that wiring out of you. All I'm going to suggest is that you've earned the right to enjoy it a little bit. And I think the permission just to enjoy to what you were saying, and I have like a weird relationship with the word deserve because I don't (laughs) feel like we, I deserve very much or even humans deserve very much. I really feel like there's innate value in us and then there's market value. So our innate value is just our God-given value. You're, you're valuable because you're a human being. And then you have your market value, which is what value you bring to the market that they're going to compensate you for. And so I never feel like my innate value is at risk. But sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to do my market value. How much more value can I add to the market? Because that that makes me feel more more significant, more that I'm contributing and changing people's lives. And that's the part that I feel like sometimes gets us trapped because you're chasing the market value, but your innate value is secure. And so I think coaching has helped me with my psychological systems. I think tribal communities, so accountabilities and buddy Hmm. systems, that has helped me a lot as well to allocate time, even working out. If I work out with somebody, I enjoy it so much more than I just work out by myself. And so plugging into my life social socialness into the things that I'm already doing, mm-hmm. I think helped me incorporate more of the psychological and structure, social systems into my structure. 
That is so helpful. So like if someone's just starting out, let's say, let me give you an example. Let's say an engineer that works in oil and gas, makes high income, but knows that, ooh, this is risky. All my income is coming from my job. I need to do a side hustle. Okay, I want to start a side, a gig, right? Um, But based on what you're saying, you're saying that get a coach and stuff like that. So someone in that situation, where do they find a coach? Where do they, is it free? Do they pay for it? Walk us through how someone can go from that to the new, to your lifestyle of getting coaches. And, you know, it's it's not, it's not normal for us to just like get coaches out there. Yeah. So like, let's say you are to use your analogy, like you're maybe in the oil and gas field, your all of your income is allocated towards living expenses. So you don't have that extra those extra resources maybe to invest in a coach at this time. There are so many podcasts, YouTube channels, books. The best brains have put their best ideas on the internet for you. And so if you know that you want to start a business, Google it. How to start a business. And there you'll ask Chat GPT. So if you don't have the resources, you can be resourceful. So I think Tony Robbins said that. We don't lack resources. Yeah. <laughs> but even I, I even doing simple exercises like idea stacking. So you in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to solve a problem. But you have to be able to stack different ideas on top of each other in order to solve that problem for your audience. So a game that you can play is like you put a word on the table, say macaroni, and then you say macaroni and cheese. And then I say lobster mac. And then then you say lobster mac at Trulux. And I say lobster mac at Trulux for Valentine's. And then you say lobster mac at Trulux for Valentine's with my 40-year significant other. And we keep idea stacking, right? But you could do that in business. So you could put the word solve on the table. And you could say, solve problems, solve problems for seven-figure entrepreneurs, solve problems for seven-figure entrepreneurs who don't have time, solve problems for, in just idea stack. So if you can think, if you, if one of your audience members did that, they can idea stack into a solution and then come up with an avatar saying, okay, who would buy this idea that I feel like I could deliver on? And then come up with a customer profile to say, okay, this is the type of, this is where this person lives. This is how this person thinks. This is their political views, their religious views, their social networks, how they, how much resources they have. And then you can test it. You can come up with just a, even if on social media, you test it. You just post a little post like, hey, y'all, I was thinking it would be really cool if somebody created this. What does everybody think? And then you'll see if people are interested. You're not saying you're going to do it. You're just saying, hey, this was an idea that popped in my head. Does anyone Mm -hmm. else think that's a cool idea? And then eventually you start building a brand and a community around ideas that you're putting out there. And then slowly you're aggregating a potential audience, a potential customer that you could eventually present an offer to and monetize. Absolutely. So you are saying that if you're just starting out and cannot afford a coach, you got to be resourceful, as Tony Robbins says. Do you have some examples of, and I love that you gave us like what, uh, that was what, my podcast? I want it to be practical and useful. And 
thank you for giving me practical thing that my audience can use with the idea stuck in idea. I love it. So now, yes, we're going to do that. What? Because the internet is like, it's a lot of things in there. We don't even know what to believe, you know. Should we do keto? Should we do paleo? Should we do, you know, it's a lot of, you know, things there. But can you give your suggestions? Because someone listening to you and they resonate with you might want to follow your suggestion. Who, three podcasts or three YouTube channels or three books or three um, people online that um, you recommend? Yeah. So I highly recommend uh, Alex Hermosi's podcast, The Game. Mm-hmm. Okay. If anyone has not listened to that. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Everybody knows Alex. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> in my world. <laughs> okay. I feel like his stuff is very practical. And on his website, acquisition.com, he has a free mini series specifically about cr- creating an offer. Hmm. So it's, it's wonderful. Highly suggest his stuff. And um, gosh, I'm trying to think of like smaller. I, I could probably say all the big ones, but smaller ones that I enjoy. Is your If your audience is more female, they would probably very much enjoy Marie Folio. Marie Folio. I like her too. Mm-hmm. Everything He's is figureoutable. Everything is figureoutable. And then for online marketing, Amy Porterfield does a great job with all of her mm-hmm. online marketing stuff. Same with Jenna Kutcher with Gold Digger. Mm-hmm. They all are fabulous mm-hmm. with the, the content that they're putting Great out. Content. And they have small courses that you could you can purchase as mm-hmm. well, but they also just have great free resources. Free, free resources. I, I love the acquisition.com. I'm going to go download that real quick and check. I've never, because when I see, when I hear acquisition.com, I think that was like, you know, he, that's, they, that's what he uses to buy companies. So I didn't know he actually had, that's a resource for, you know, to go and find free yeah. stuff that he gives out every yeah, time. I, I, yeah. I don't know him personally, but he, on the videos, he says that he is very interested in helping people get from one to 3 million. And then once hmm. they hit 3 million, that's when he wants to take them from 3 million to 30 million or a hundred million. And so he wants to give free resources away for everybody just starting out so they can go from zero to three. And then once they hit three, then they can, like you said, he buys businesses and partners with them. Another thing that I resonate with him is he doesn't talk about it a lot, is how he's a no debt guy too. He doesn't do debt. And I'm I'm like, I resonate with that because this is very, it's a very polarizing topic, by the way, like leveraging debt and not using debt. (laughs) I like, (laughs) that's one of the things I like about him. Though, yeah, yeah I, I think it was just on Dave Ramsey's podcast. Dave Ramsey, that's where I, that's where he kind of like came yeah. out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's like flying the no debt free flag. <laughs> like he bought all his businesses yeah. with no debt. That's amazing. He's mm-hmm. gonna go places for sure. And and yeah. and. and Dim Ramsey, I look up to Dim Ramsey and seeing how Dim Ramsey was wowed by Alexa Morsi just even brought him up like in my level like okay yeah I mean, I'm, Dim Ramsey likes you I like you too yeah. <laughs> yeah. for sure I also, yeah I, I, you know in, in addition to just listening and consuming information I, I really think it's critical just to take a step yeah. just take action just do something because what happens when you're starting off or even if you're hitting a roadblock in your business is we make it bigger in our heads than it actually is in real life. And the only way to make it smaller is to take action. It's like you're standing at the foot of the mountain. And if you sit there 
and say, okay, what, like I analyze the best route and am I going to do it perfectly? And I don't want to make a wrong move. You sit at the bottom of that mountain much longer and you really can't solve all the problems that you're going to have to solve on your way to the top of that mountain without taking that first step. And business is so much like that. You don't even know yet when you're starting off all the problems you're going to have to solve. The only way you know them is when you get to that crossroads on that mountain and then you have to make that choice. And then what you have to develop within yourself is the courage and the confidence that when I get to a crossroads, when I'm not sure what to do, I trust that I'm going to be able to be resourceful to go find what I need when I need it to overcome this obstacle. And that is the journey of entrepreneurship is being resourceful, coming to roadblocks and solving those roadblocks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I can even add to that because one of my favorite quote of all time is my my old boss, Victor Laffey-Mackey. He was my number one um, guest here is, I don't know if I remember it verbatim, but it's like, you have to be willing to look foolish yes. to achieve you know, greatness pretty much. That's not the word for word, but that's the, that's the, that's the quote basically. So like, if you're willing to forget to just look foolish and just try things out, like you said, prior to recording, like just throw spaghetti in the wall and see what's the, just, just do something. There is no way you're going to make it. You know, a lot, that's what yeah. a lot of us are. We're just like, oh, I don't want to look dumb. I don't want to look um, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but you do not know what you're doing. I rather, yeah. I rather say, I don't know then act like I know. And then I lose my chance of learning, you know? So that is so good. Not to over identify. So like you have your market value and your innate value. And so you have to separate that because Mm. when you do your market value work, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to look foolish, but that doesn't define your identity. You're still a wonderful human being. And yeah, you said that stupid thing on that podcast or you wrote a comment on social media that somebody didn't like or you misspelled a word or you stumbled over your words. Like, that's okay. That's just being human. And you're allowed to be human in your pursuit and it doesn't have to threaten the core of your identity. I think, and I've never been to Wimbledon, but I I would love to do that someday. But there's a quote that I saw on an image that said, that it's the journey is to treat triumph and defeat like the imposters they both are. Hmm. And so it's not to over identify with our successes and not over identify with Hmm. our failures, have more of a neutral, like we're just playing a game. Yeah. Like, Oh shoot. Dang it. That, that exercise or that experiment didn't work. And all right, now I know one way I'm not going to do it next time. And then you get better and you get better. That is so true. You know what you're doing right now? You're humanizing entrepreneurship pretty much. Mm. Oh my God. Your your goals right now, Stacy. This is what I this is what I live for. Like we're you're just humanizing, like changing the whole um the whole look of entrepreneurship. Like, yes, it's okay to say to make a typo. Yes, it's okay to say something that does not change you, your innate person as a, as a person. That is beautiful. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I'm just fine girl in here. Apologies <laughs> in advance. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. I think that when I started entrepreneurship, I, I feel like even in, in today's world with social media, it's a mm-hmm. highlight reel, highlight reels, like flashy cars and jet. Yeah. And hot people and, you know, like, it, it, 
it's it's great. Like I love it. Celebrate it. Do that. And also behind the scenes, yeah, different. You know, Jenna Kutcher does a good job at that. She yes, would show, yeah. yeah. She, I think, the, even even, I think that was really really bold. She has a on her Instagram. She has a pin post of her like crying, mm. and I'm like, no, like she wanted to show us that all these fancy things. I am a person. I'm a mother sometimes. You know, like, and I love that. We need to say that. Don't let's not fool people. Yes, entrepreneurship is glorious. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Is but there's the other side. You got to accept both. So yes, a hundred percent. So let's get into some of the some of the um, the journey. So we went from oh our our avatar, an engineer who oh, is yes. scared. Is scared that I have a high income. I'm living this high lifestyle. This is not as safe as I thought. This is like one sauce. I need to do side gigs. I'm going to be resourceful, follow Alex Amosi, Dave Ramsey, and Amy Porterfield and all of that. Now I've gotten that, you know, um, set up. I found a, so I've found a problem. I found my my niche what is the next step you would you tell because you're like the organized scaling and organizing expert so what is the next step now they found what they're gonna do they found the um i don't know the problem the pain point and the solution what is the next step should that person do they're still at their job they haven't started they know what it is now what would be the next thing you tell them to do start talking about it okay just start talking about it Talk about it on your social media, talk about it with your friends and family, talk about it with people you know, because that's actually where you're testing your idea. Mm, so market research. You come, you, yeah, you, you've came up with it and kind of in a think tank, mm-hmm. but you don't know yet if there's an audience for it. Mm-hmm. So don't put all of your eggs into that basket just yet. Just start talking, see who it resonates with. Mm-hmm. And then the people that it resonates with that's going to kind of show you who maybe your avatar is. Mm-hmm. And then once you know if that av- who that avatar is, you have to know if that avatar can afford it, right? Mm-hmm. You may be talking about it in a way that is attracting an avatar that is doesn't have money. And so you're not going to be able to turn this idea into a business because the avatar doesn't have the financial the money. means to purchase. So make sure when you're doing it, you can language your idea in such a way that will speak to people that can afford it. And it is still a need for them. And I I think that's where you get the feedback from the people around you, what it is. And then once you have that idea solidified and you are clear on the avatar and you've um, preliminarily stress tested it, if you will, with friends and family, people, you know, social media, um, Alex Ramosi says this too, and I think it's 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 huge. Is just start building a brand, just start adding hmm. value. And he says he's like, if you could delay your ask for five years, delay it for five years, you would be wildly successful. But wow. most people can't delay their ask for five years. So you're going to have to be able to build rapport and a reputation and an audience and people who know, like, trust you. And then be able to get some of those one-on-ones. Just get one client because you're going to figure out if how you're fulfilling it is even scalable or even if you could do it. And don't worry about scaling. Like a lot of it in the beginning is just one-on-one. Figure it out one-on-one. And then once you get the IP 
intellectual property, once you get the, the data in your head, if you will, and you're able to scope and sequence it, you're able to lay it out with like little yellow feet execution plans, this is how this works, then you can figure out a way to make it scalable to be able to do instead of one-to-one -one work, it's, it's one to a group or one to masses, which then allows you to have more volume with less overhead and work. Wow. That just, that just hit me. Like, Delete, you ask for five years. Oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> Most people probably cannot do that. No, I got bills to pay, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, but it is true. Um, uh, yeah. In a way, one of the reasons OTS kind of grew so quickly too was because I had, I was a, in a community of people that knew me for organizing and systematizing, but I was doing it for somebody else and I didn't have anything to offer. And then it organically happened. So sometimes it's just getting yourself into environments that are the type of people that it, when you do have a business or you do have an offer, you have relationships yes. already. Yes, mm -hmm. that is that is so true. You got to be in that circle. Like, no, I, I don't even know why I'm even talking. Let's just keep quiet. I am agreeing with every single thing you say right now. So true. The environment that would be like your unfair advantage. Just being yeah. if you want if you want to if you want to own an investment property in the next two years like oh i have a, in 2025 i want to own my investment property you need to go on meetup.com event right i don't care why you, you need to go there and go be friends with real estate investors just be their friend that alone will get you your investment properties easily yeah. you know just, just playing uh, there's a lot of meetups there that play the cash flow board game so just go play the cash flow board game with a bunch of people and you'll meet all kinds of folks I've done that before. I've gone yep. on meetup.com before and I have gone to a breakfast. They just, they just have breakfast every Thursday, bunch of real estate folks and just talk. And I just went there. And again, imposter syndrome. Um, who am I? This little kid. What do I know? I don't know what. I think I even went with my mother-in-law because I needed someone to like just join me. <laughs> and then we went there and... And you brought your security human yeah, along. Yeah, <laughs> just in case. If they see this nice little old lady, they'll be nicer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I went to the breakfast club and that changed, I, I swear to God, that changed my life. I met a lot of friends from there and that was where I first heard about Airbnb. And that's ah. why I'm doing Airbnb right now. My first well, Airbnb, first time I heard about Airbnb was in college and it was a bad experience. We're going to Louisiana for the, uh, I think it's for the Mardi Gras and I, my friend and I booked an Airbnb and we went there and it was a shady place and we were felt so unsafe. We just bounced and went to go get a hotel. So that was the first time I heard about Airbnb and bad experience. So I'm going yeah. to years later and going to this breakfast meeting and Airbnb. I'm like, what? And this lady was like, oh, we, at first it was horrible. She's like, people, so everybody was, everybody was like intrigued. Like, what are you talking about Airbnb? You turned your property into an Airbnb. Tell us more. And then she was like, oh Yeah. Um, yeah, it cash flow. She told us a cash flow and how much more she got than her because she has both um, long term and and um, a short term. So when a long term turns comes out of the um, um, gets um, 
moves out, she turns into an Airbnb. So she was telling us and comparing and it sounded like a lot of work. She was like, oh, we clean every time they move out. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. I just ignored. But I keep going, going, made friends with her, Caroline. And then another lady that I looked up to. And when I say friends, these are like people that are like my mom's age, by the way. <laughs> but they're my friends. All my friends are older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Like, and but they don't they, they even forget that I'm the same age as your kids. Some of them, I'm young, I'm younger than their kids, and yeah. and that's how I found myself, and that's how I found myself, you know, getting first property, and just like that. And then now I have an Airbnb thanks to that uh, that meeting I went to, and I'm about to open seven more Airbnbs. Thanks, yeah, thanks to that, you know, and this is like, I'm talking about 2019, 20, yeah. 2019, 2020. If I had not gone to that meeting, I would have never, my mind shift of Airbnb would have never occurred. I would have never known about this. And for some reason, I, I entered at the right. And when I was going into Airbnb, it sounded like, oh, it's the the market has been saturated. It's too old and everything, not knowing that that's that was where it was hot you know like you said like some people like oh it's too it's too saturated and everything no it was still it was still hot but we don't know anyways i'm this is not about me it's about you but anyways yes you need to be in the you need to be in the surroundings of people like that you know you want to be like that yeah and you don't have to put pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. to be anything other than who you are and i think that's that's part of it too you know we're you're yeah. a human you're going and you're connecting with other humans and humans know how to connect with humans we do that we know how to do that mm-hmm. and there doesn't have to be an agenda other what other than genuinely connecting with other like-minded people and when you connect with other like-minded people usually good things emerge because you have this person puts in one idea, somebody puts in another idea, another idea, and it's like, oh, that's a great idea. That would be really cool to execute, huh? Maybe we could do it. Yeah, and it's just, and even if you don't even get anything for it, it's just the mind shift that mm-hmm. that occurred when I surrounded mm-hmm. myself with those people like that. Like a lot of them had like twenty properties, forty properties. A lot of them are retired and they're just living mm-hmm. off their their income, and it just changed. When 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 someone just comes and say, oh yeah, I have twenty properties. How many do you have? I'm like zero, and then up comes out, oh I have ten. How many do you have? I'm like zero. They didn't flinch or anything, but it was just so casual to them. Oh, 20, 40, 50 doors. Yeah. Like it was so casual to them. And just being around that, it kind of normalized, you know, having more than one property to me. Like, you know what? I can do it. I have an advantage. I'm younger, you know, uh, or I, I'm, I'm ready. You know, someone like, oh, I got my 10th property in two years. Like, oh, so in two years I could, I could be you. So that just normalized, you know, same thing with um running because I like running. When I think about marathons, I'm like, oh, hell no. Or half marathon, I'm like, three miles. I'm like, oh, hell. But when I joined the the, the club, the running club, and I, I see someone older than me, not even in a nice shape, and like, oh, yeah, I've run two marathons. Or I've run three half marathons. It kind of normalized it for me and made me go, maybe I can do it. And I ended up running a half marathon two weeks ago. But I, I, I never saw myself running three miles and now I'm running 13.1 miles. If, if I was not in that club, yeah, it would have, it would have not normalized things that looked far fetched to me, you know? So mm-hmm. surrounding yourself is so key. And I really, really strongly, you know, resonate with that. So now our guy, 
our engineer that works in the oil and gas is surrounded. Thinking about somehow, but we keep coming back to him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's out there listening. We're we're, we're rooting for you guys. <laughs> so now you've you surround yourself and 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 you've gotten your first few clients and everything. This is where you come in, Stacy. You are the organizing to scale expert. Mm-hmm. What is what, what what would be your advice on how to like get, you know, start with the systems in place and everything? What would be your yeah. advice before? The, I mean, some of, some people would like to come to you and but some people are like, oh, we can't afford Stacey yet. Maybe we should start with some of her free advice, like entry level advice. What would be your step by step advice after that? Yeah. So uh, the process we take people through on our architect three day mm-hmm. is like I said at the beginning, you really build a business to create freedom for yourself and people end up trapped. So once you have proof of concept and our engineer oil guy has got some traction in his business, he, he's got to make sure that he doesn't end up doing all the things and wearing all the hats and spinning all of the plates. Otherwise, he will never get out of it. And so there's things that he's doing that only he can do. And then there's things that he's doing that he could delegate. And he could get off of his plate. So you have to be really radically honest with yourself. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And really knowing what your what we call your sweet spot. And that's where the things that you're passionate about and your skills align and what you really could you could be doing, but it doesn't feel like work. And we all have those things. Like I love, like for me, getting on a podcast and talking is is easy. Whereas some of my team members, they would not want to be on camera at all. And then, uh, and for me, if I had to do the recurring repetitive work, I'd want to poke my eyeballs out. So we're all wired totally differently. And so we have to really know our natural wiring and then start with, there's a delegate and elevate process where you identify everything that you're working on. So how I like to do this exercise is I like to go to a coffee shop and just with a yellow padded piece of paper and a pen, no laptop and no phone. So no access to Wi-Fi. You're completely by yourself with a pad of paper that has nothing on it yet. And your brain and a pen. Your and brain then- is important. <laughs> and, um, you- and some highlighters. I like to bring some highlighters. Mm-hmm. And so you sit down and you list out everything that you're doing. Whether it's I mow the lawn, I have my day job, I have to take care of the kids, um, I fulfill these things for this client, I have to do accounting, I have to do bookkeeping, I have to set up this entity, I have to um, transfer this money, I have to read profit first. I got you all the things that you have to do to build a business, to organize a business, to scale it. You, You have it in your head. You kind of have a list of like, gosh, I got a lot of things I need to do. And then you got to figure out what on that list only you can do. So then you go through with your highlighters and highlight the ones that you have to keep. And then the other ones you can delegate. So the ones that you can delegate, you got to figure out who can you delegate it to and how can you train them to know what success looks like and what done looks like. And Mm so that's what we call three areas of approval. So you may have somebody, say you have an office and you want somebody to take out the trash. You can delegate that task to somebody. Hey, take, I want you to take out the trash. And the closing the loop part of it is, do you want that person to tell you every time they took out the trash? 
Do you want that person to just take out the trash and never tell you? Do you want that person to ask you before you, they take out the trash? So those are the three areas. So do it and don't tell me. Tell me, uh, do it, do it and tell me. Never tell, uh, ask me before you do it. And so you kind of identify which things do you want to know beforehand. So an, an example of this, and I don't know if it necessarily fits with the oil guy, depending on what kind of business he decides to do. But if he, say you have a, an email list and you're sending out email marketing to your list or you're sending out a newsletter to your list, you may want to have somebody help you with that, but you may want to be the final approval on it. So, hey, I want you to get it all ready, but I want you to send a test to me first. And when I say yes, then you can send it. And that and you start stacking some of those things and start training those people to do those activities for you. That's a way to buy back your time so that you can focus on driving revenue. And then the other thing is inside of every business, there is seven to 10 core functions that a business will have. They've got to have some type of brand process. How do you build your brand and network? They got to have some type of uh, lead gen. So how do you generate leads and capture contact information? How do you nurture those people? How do you engage with them and convert them? How do you fulfill on your product offering? How do you turn those people into rave reviews and referrals and repeat customers? How do, how do you do all of those things? Um, and you organize those activities into what is called process mapping. And process mapping is having a place where somebody enters a workflow and they go through a certain amount of activities and then they exit that workflow and go into another workflow. And in order to scale up a organization, a company, you really just have to duplicate recurring processes. And so if you have the process of recording a podcast, post-producing it, releasing it, if you have a process for your social media, if you have a process for, um, delivering on whatever it is the offering is, you want to document it so that you can keep it and eventually hand it off to somebody else to do for you. So you can keep putting your foot on the gas pedal with confidence that everything in the back office and under the hood is being executed according to the standards and quality that you've pre-established. So based on what you said, so the first thing is your, the idea, well, not, what do you call it again? When you like, write all the things you do in Starbucks and, you know, and, and yes. document all that. <laughs> and then you delegate it. You see what's, um, you, you see the activities that can be delegated, you delegated. And then for the process that you can scale uh, for the process, you have to document pretty much everything you're doing, your idea flow. You got to document it. That way you can hand it over to someone. And yes. I'll give a quick, very practical tip. So okay. there's two technologies that you can run if you're doing an online business or I, mm-hmm. uh, there's oil guy. I don't know what, what kind of business he's starting, but assuming Probably it's online. online Let's assume it's an online business. Yeah. Um, you can use Loom and Tango mm-hmm. together to mm-hmm. capture your screen, hear your audio, but also take screenshots. So you can take that and immediately put it into a copy paste word document that has a video screenshots and written text for exactly how to do something. Wow. And so you basically don't use any extra time to document what you're doing. So let's use the sending an email example, right? 
you, you would have a, it would take you a really long time to document the whole thing if you had to sit down and say, okay, log into the CRM. This is how you log into the CRM. Click here. You got to get this file. You got to write this copy. You got to do all of this. But you can just turn it, the recording on your computer, Loom and Tango together, and you just do the activity that you would be doing anyway. So you would be spending the time doing that activity. Just record yourself doing it. And then once it's recorded, then you just give it to whoever you're delegating and they can watch that recording a hundred times, but you only had to do it once. Oh my God, Stacey, this is, this is exactly what, what, what I mean, you don't know what you don't know, because I was going to just take your advice and just, (laughs) and just like record and document everything I do and do it the hard way. You just gave someone, gave my audience and I the easiest way to document everything you do it just carry on with what you do every single time in your business but just have loom and tango on and record it and then once you're ready to delegate just hand it over to them that's beautiful thank you so much for that (laughs) because that would have been so hard to you know for anybody to do this is I sometimes I just sit down I'm scared like what is it that you don't know (laughs) this is example of it so let's say someone that is like like hearing this is like, okay, you know what? I need to take this serious. I don't know how to do this so much. I don't know. I want to reach out to Stacy to help me with this. Where can people find you? And what's, what, what do you, if you can tell us a little bit of your offer that you can offer someone and make, make them understand what they can, you know, they can get. And if you can say the price, that'll be great too, you know, and where can they find you and get to know about organized to scale? Yeah. So, um, I, before I say that, I will just say one thing that you're always not going to know. The more and more I, I grow and develop and build businesses, the more I don't know. And I, so I think that is the journey. The journey is getting good at learning because it's getting good at being able to take imperfect action when we don't know and keep taking action, even though we don't know, because we don't know all the time. <laughs> even the people, even the most successful people even say that. They say, we don't know. We always don't know. Yeah. We, like the, the, the human journey is not knowing, and then figuring it out, and then getting to another mountaintop, and not knowing again, and then figuring it out, and getting to the next mountaintop, and not knowing again, and figuring so it out. True. And so the essence of entrepreneurship, and being a founder, or business builder, is that you have the courage to keep going when you don't know and keep figuring it out. And that is the resilience of kind of a rooted founder, if you will. That is and, so true. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So folks, if they're listening and are interested in maybe we, we have primarily done one-to-one work, but we're now opening up and doing the the group, the one to the masses. And so we're <laughs> about ready to launch a group offering um, for our architect phase, which is the the three day. Mm-hmm. And that's where we guide people through everything from identifying your sweet spot to if you don't have a business coming up with what the name of the business is and soups to nuts, getting your business launched. And then if you do have a business, it's the framework that you can take everything that you've already created and plug it in to something that's more scalable for you as you go. So folks, if they are interested in that, can send an email to me at scale at organizedtoscale.com and get access to more information about that and what it would look like to participate. So you're saying that if you don't have any business, you have, you're starting from scratch, you can help with that? Yes. So I have wow. launched, um, so I have created a framework 
that can, I've taken people who are uh, multi, multi, multi seven figures from, and people who have not started and gone through the same curriculum and both sets of people have gotten so much value because if you have a business, you have proof of concept, you know, that something you're doing is working. The audience likes it and you just have some tweaks and you need a better framework to plug into so that you can have some organization to the, the activity that you generated in your business. And then there's some folks I found in going to your engineering analogy, some folks have to have a little bit more data and a little bit more um, security and certainty around what am I doing? How do I organize my thoughts? How do I turn my idea into an execution plan? And so they are able to go through the curriculum with a clean slate hmm. without any bad habits. And they're able to take their idea and form it in a way that is everything down to their purpose statement, their values, their target market, their 10, seven to 10 core processes, everything that needs to be done to achieve their goal, narrow that all the way down into a 90 day execution plan. So the output of one of these three days is you have this idea and we basically have a system or a filtration process that takes the idea, goes through all of these modules and worksheets and everything. And, and at the end of that, you have a 90 day execution plan. And it's like, okay, this is exactly what I need to do in the next 90 days. And so somebody new going through it, they're just coming with a fresh slate, fresh idea and putting it in. Somebody who has already had a successful business, they're coming and saying, okay, well, I've achieved 4 million. But it's kind of been messy under the hood. If I put any more pressure on the top, if I take on any more clients, I'm not confident this infrastructure is going to hold. So they are coming in saying, I need this idea to go through this filtration process so it's organized and I have a clear execution plan for the next 90 days to make sure that I'm able to put my foot on the gas pedal in terms of driving revenue and have confidence that my structure is going to hold up and my reputation and my delivery system is still going to be extremely valuable to my audience. This is beautiful. This is perfect because this is my, this, the podcast is my first lead and I'm like talking about leads, leads, leads. This shows that it's also important to also know that can you handle the leads? Can you, you know, so you need to have your structure in place. And this is, I'm going to start mixing this more in my podcast, like both sides of it. Yeah, you can get leads, but you can also, you need to also like clean up the house and make it easy to get to service those leads. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to take so much of your time, Stacey. I know you're a very busy woman. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and dropping so much value. So much value that is, my mind is blown and I, my, I'm right at the edge of my seat right now because <laughs> I, I got a lot of things thinking to do. Is there anything that we didn't, that I didn't touch up that talk on that you want to talk about? No, before I we think this added a lot of value to whoever hears it. And I hope that they go do something very special and magical with it, because I think the world needs the gifts of everybody who has an idea that this sparked. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Stacey. Mm -hmm.